Okay, just while the blue buckets finish off their rounds, if you do have a Bible, feel free to find it. I will tell you where to open it in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, don't worry. I think some of the scripture references may come up on the screen um, above the stage. I'll read them slowly. You'll catch the drift. Uh, I'm trying to work out, really, what is the appropriate greeting for today? This is the, the strangest Sunday in the year. Because no longer can we say, oh, happy Christmas. But it's not quite happy New Year yet either. It's this classic little annual no man's land where, well, some of us might be working a little bit, but we're kind of taking it easy as well. Um, what are we really to say? Happy day after Boxing Day. I think it's perhaps the best I can muster up. Um, but maybe this little window of time in between Christmas and New Year either very consciously or subconsciously, what we might be doing is, is actually looking back over the past year, reflecting on what's happened. What, what do we think that, what did we think that 2015 would be like when it began? Um, what are some of the, of the key moments and the special times, uh, that have happened through the course of the year? Maybe, like we were singing earlier on, there are some highs and there are some lows, and maybe those, uh, lows, we're kind of just considering some of those as well, but, uh, Pretty soon we'll be looking forward to a new year and all that we hope and expect or anticipate that new year will involve. Well, for this Sunday, we're going to do our own little bit of looking back um, as a church. Uh, Now, I appreciate that some of you are here. It's a strange week in between Christmas and New Year. Actually, it's strange because you're not normally here with us. You might be visiting family or friends um, in Sheffield. So if I talk about stuff that's happened in the life of this particular church, it's almost like those big family gatherings where people get together and then a certain group of the family start saying, oh, do you remember when? And it's like, no. <laughs> um, oh, do you remember when that? Well, no, because it, it, sometimes if you share memories, if people weren't there, it, it, it doesn't sound all that in, it, encouraging. What I hope is that through the course of uh, the next half an hour or so, the scripture that we look at will encourage you, um, whether you can particularly identify or remember things that I, the odd thing here or there that I might refer to, uh, that we have experienced as a church, or when people have, have come and visited and they've preached. See, I've done a little bit of looking back, just what have we heard? What, what, have, what have other people brought to us? Uh, we've had a number of people preach um, uh, from elsewhere, well, from elsewhere, they have come to visit and they have preached. So I, I considered for a while, maybe do a recap of every message we've heard through 2015. Um, that might have worried you, but we won't do quite, we won't do that. I'm, instead, I'm just going to cherry pick really, uh, three verses, uh, that have spoken to me personally. I, th- I think perhaps they reflect something of what God has been saying to us through the course of the year. Um, And the first, it can be found in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse uh, 23. It says this. uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Well, that's the new version of the NIV. I'm, I'm kind of reading the slightly old version, but you kind of get the gist. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it, this wellspring of of life. Above all else, is not vague exaggeration. This is truly important. 
this is truly worth our attention. I think this is what God was uh, just reminding me and showing me in the early part of the, the year, especially. Guard your heart. Now, we might think, well, my heart, that's where I keep my emotions and my desires, the things I really want, uh, my affection, perhaps, my, my love, my feelings. Um, more rational stuff is happening up here, and we kind of... Um, Divorce the two, my heart. Well, that's just emotions. I think really that, uh, that Solomon here and a Hebrew way of seeing life is just keeping everything together, not splitting it up and apportioning it here, there and everywhere. Um, so when, we, when, it's, when we're reading here about our hearts, I think it's talking about our, our emotions, our feelings, our, our desires. But elsewhere in Proverbs, it says that in a, in a man's heart, he plans his course. So planning, thoughts, beliefs, we might also include in there attitudes. Really, the sum total of our inner life. All that's going on on the inside that might not be obvious to anybody else. It's beneath the surface. But everyone, religious or not, is a preacher. All that varies is the size of the congregation. And we preach to ourselves on a daily basis. We tell ourselves what we think is true. And we might do that positively. Sometimes it happens negatively. So, oh, I'll never kick that habit. Or this always works out badly for me. Um, or maybe more positive examples um, as well. Those things might be hidden from other people. And actually, the Bible speaks, Jesus says, actually from the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. So whatever's going on on the inside has a way of finding its, its, its way out. It might just be things that we say. If, if actually we're, we're nursing or, 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 set, or, or kind of storing up fear in here, well, where worries and anxieties or, dare I say, even control and manipulation can, can come out of us somehow. If we're storing up pride and superior thinking, as we saw um, a couple of weeks back, sometimes there's just little telltale signs give it away. It might just be something that we say. Elsewhere in the Proverbs, it speaks of having haughty eyes. In other words, there's something in the eyes that give away, that on the inside, there's just an air of arrogance and superiority. Because that's what's kind of being nursed uh, on the inside. It's possible to look healthy, have a really good diet, and an athletic lifestyle, but have a problem in the heart. I mean, that's true physically. Someone can be incredibly uh, fit, can run marathons, and, and then find, actually, goodness, my heart's not working as it should do. Um, and that needs serious attention, because we've only got one heart. And if the heart goes wrong, it won't be long before everything else goes too. So, above all else... Guard your hearts. It's possible to be um, uh, very active in the life of a church or in the life of a, the community that we're a part of, uh, looking to, to serve others, but it's still possible to have a problem in the heart. And so this grabbed my attention earlier in the year to say, this is the number one priority for me personally. I have to 
guard my heart from those rocky attitudes that can be there on the inside. Like I've said already, it could be pride, it could be self-pity, it could be self-reliance, it could be fear, it could be bitterness, it could be unforgiveness. And we're trying to keep it hidden from others. Maybe others have t- seen it now and again. But nothing is hidden from God. And my heart is my responsibility. It's easy to think, well, you, you don't know what happened to me back then. You don't know what's happened in life. I've looked, you know, looking back, it's not always that happy experience. We look back to the things that should never have happened, to things that other people should never have said, and how we were dealt with or whatever it might have been. And it just, we start nursing the grudge. So what is, my heart's my response. Let the past be the past. Okay, maybe there are aspects that didn't work out great. Nevertheless, what's going on in here is my responsibility. And I need to guard my heart. But I'm thankful for God that he works in our hearts. When we respond to the gospel, he, he gives us a new one. He pours out his the Holy Spirit so that his love is bubbling up in our hearts. Uh, temples, dwelling places of his Holy Spirit. And he's at work. So God's done a great work for, for anyone who's turned to him. He comes in. So when do we need to guard our hearts? Well, probably all the time. But here are a few specific reminders. Um, and I'll just refer to some messages that we've heard through the course of the year, uh, or, or many of us may remember. We need to guard our hearts uh, when terror strikes. You might remember, you may not, uh, but back in February, um, we had Andy LaRue. Andy and Kate came to visit us for the weekend, and Andy spoke from uh, Mark chapter 13 about the end times. Jesus saying to his disciples, we're now entering the, the, the end times. And there'll be uh, serious and concerning and disquieting things happening. You're going to live through troubling times. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. And actually, yeah, we know it. We live in those times. We, we live in that time. Christ has died. He's risen again. And he's ascended to heaven. Now we're waiting for him to return. And in the time... In between, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, but don't be surprised either when, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, when there's just increased hostility, even within family groups, when, you're, when, when for your faith you're dragged before officials and punished. So we need to guard our hearts. Being a people of faith means not being immune from suffering or hardship, but being secure in the fact that God is with us, that Jesus is building his church, that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the world, and that Jesus is coming back, that there is a certain and glorious future for everyone whose hope is in him. So guard your heart when terror strikes. Guard your heart when trials come. Uh, In June, uh, Terry Virgo came to visit us, and he reminded us of that occasion where the disciples were sent on ahead by Jesus. They was, Jesus said to them, get into the boat and, and, and let's get to the other side again. I'm going to stay or I'm going to go back up the mountain. I need some time with my father, but you go ahead. And he sent them on the boat. They, that was part of their discipleship, doing what Jesus wanted them to do. And yet what happens? They just meet this almighty headwind. 
And it's into the fourth watch of the night. They're still straining at the oars, feeling like they're going nowhere. The other side of the lake still feels completely unreachable. But Jesus, that's where you told us to go. We're in your will, but this is hard work. And we need to guard our hearts when trials come. Because being a disciple of Jesus is rarely, but sometimes, plain sailing. (laughs) Often, it's hard work. And we can be heading into where we think God is leading us, but just getting frustrated. Remember as well that um, during the summer, uh, towards the end of the summer in August, we had Mark and Debbie... Uh, visit us again from Canada. Uh, they were part of the church here with their, f- with their family, with their two children. Uh, for years and years and years, Mark was an elder of the church, and God clearly spoke about going to Canada and joining a church there. And they came back, and I think for them, whilst they were here, it was this little oasis time, because things had just been hard. I think, well, actually, they were in the will of God. They were following Jesus. They were seeking to honour him, and yet they were just getting buffeted. And so they came back, they actually a bit kind of slightly strained, because in the house they were renting, they had this infestation of bedbugs. Just bizarre. Suddenly, they'd literally come out of the woodwork, and just wreaking havoc for them and their children. Had, a treat, had, had that treated, came to the UK for a couple of weeks, went back home to find they're still there, and eventually it got dealt with, but just hard going. And hard too that when they arrived in Milton, it wasn't that long after, when Debbie found that she had a lump in her neck on her thyroid. Uh, investigations was done. Is this cancer, cancerous? Is it something else? Um, and so she needed to go for surgery. Um, and, and that was just, again, just looming over them. What's going on? We're following him. We're trusting the God who leads the way, but, well, but encountering trials. What do we need to do? We need to guard our hearts. I believe that, that Mark and, and Debbie have, have done that. When trials come, when plans are frustrated, when it feels like we're rowing into a headwind, we're going round in circles, Guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Maybe for you personally, you could look back to the previous year and just be a bit puzzled. I'm not quite sure exactly what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't that. Oh, goodness me. What's going on? I've been trying to serve God. I've been trying to honor him. I want to go his way, yet progress has been slow. Why is that? Well, Jesus sent his disciples into a storm. Why did he do that? Within it probably is a lesson of, you're going to need to trust me. There's going to be a time coming, Terry was reminding us, when Jesus hasn't just popped up a mountain to come back later and walk across the water, that Jesus has died, he's been raised to life, and he's ascended to heaven. And that's where he is now. He says, I'm with you and I'm for you, but you won't know me walking beside you in the flesh for very much longer. You're going to have to get used to the fact that I'm with you and I'm for you, but in a very different way. And it might feel like he just doesn't care anymore and he's not really around. And we've just got to plow on ourselves. No, guard your heart. Probably this is a plan to teach us to trust in him. So guard your heart. Guard our hearts when trials come. And guard your hearts, guard our hearts where, uh, when temptation lurks. Uh, we had uh, Nigel and Callie Lloyd visit us. Um, from uh, Wrexham, and 
And also Richard, in speaking from the book of Hebrews, has touched on this subject of, uh, of dealing with temptation. We've seen this, this uh, wonderful uh, picture painted of who Jesus is. Um, he's, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. Uh, he's, he's, in, he's a high priest. He's greater than all the high priests who've gone before. He's in a different order altogether. He is our glorious high priest. And he knows what it's like to be tempted, we're told, in Luke chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter for he's our great high priest. He experienced on earth real temptation, which he overcame. Therefore, he's the one who can offer real temptation, uh, r- real help to us in times of need. So don't be surprised when terror strikes, but guard your hearts and turn to him and see what Jesus is doing. Don't be surprised when trials come, but turn to him and see that God is a trustworthy Lord and Savior and mentor who is leading us on uh, it, in our journey of faith. And when temptation lurks, don't be surprised when you experience temptation. But don't just make a habit of giving into it either. Guard your hearts. Be alert. Cut off sin uh, wherever it crops up. And turn to Jesus. See that in him and in his real grace, there is real help to lead us on. That temptation is not just a revolving door to keep going round and round. So let's guard our hearts. Let's kind of, as it were, just look back and remember. I think God has been saying that through the course of the year. So whatever 2016 involves, let's not lose hold of that. Above all else, guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. How do we guard our hearts? We've seen when, but how? And perhaps the, the, the clue to that is in a second key verse I'd like us just to revisit for a few minutes, and that's Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, uh, where we read, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I think for me it was in the summer um, that that verse particularly grabbed my attention, and, and like this week, ducked out of a regular preaching series in order just to spend time uh, looking at it a little bit more. Won't go through absolutely everything again, but just to remind ourselves, to look back, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do we guard our hearts? We can only do it successfully by receiving, by enjoying, by treasuring up and meditating on the word of Christ. All scripture all the words in these pages that are, that are God-breathed, they're useful, they're profitable. Jesus is alive and he's lit, ruling and reigning from a throne in glory. And his word is living and active. It's sharp. It's powerful. So when we're looking at the word of God, we're not just coming with, an, with the attitude of, of learning dry facts, just taking on a bit of information, trying to pass some... Uh, uh, exam or other no we're seeing that these words they're like seeds that when they come into our hearts and find good soil that's been prepared that that they they germinate they produce life something grows up something springs up because god's word 
is living and active. It grows. It produces a crop. Adrian Holloway at the end of, of September is reminding us that we can trust the word of God. We actually can. We want to let it dwell in us richly and abundantly. And that doesn't mean that there's a rule to follow about how much we should read per day. Again, it's coming to that time of year when we're perhaps just thinking, should I make a New Year's resolution? Do they actually make any difference? We think, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible in a year, we might tell ourselves. And so, right, it's January the 1st. Today, I need to read Genesis chapter 1, Psalm 1, Matthew chapter 1, and Acts chapter 1. I can do it. Let's go for it. Come on. Right. Okay. Oh, goodness me. It's really taking me healthy. Okay, next day. It's January the 2nd. But I haven't done Acts chapter 1 yet. Right, so I've got to do Acts chapter 1 so that I can then move on to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, Psalm 2. And Matthew 2. And, well, of course we want to allow the word to dwell in us richly. That doesn't mean there's a particular rule about how much we should read in a day. It's not that there should be some superstitious way of thinking. I must dwell on the word of God because if I don't, if I don't read the word of God today, everything will go wrong. Because that's the kind of God God is. As if he's poised there with a big stick to whack us when we don't jump through the hoop or follow the rules. No, no, but we're seeing the, this is... This is the word of Christ because, because the, every page of this book whispers the name of Jesus and uh, is fulfilled in him and is leading to faith in him. Because this gives life, because there is power here, um, because this blesses and strengthens us and leads us to faith, it equips us, helps us to relate with God and one another we just see, actually, this is what I want to do. And so I might make a plan. But the plan serves me, I don't serve it. And if I decide that on January the 1st, I'm going to read all those different cha- chapters of the Bible, so be it. But then if I find particularly that the Psalms have just really grabbed my attention, I might deviate from the plan. And that's okay. You can take the fast train and rattle through a big chunk of scripture, lots of different passages, and, and be inspired and be helped and be encouraged. You can take the slow road and focus right down on a couple of verses. And there it is. Thank you, Carrie. Christmas present or just what you've already got? The Wayfinding Bible. It helps you to do exactly that. Um, good bookshops are available downstairs and elsewhere. Um, We'll move on. It's good to have a plan. It's good to remember we're in grace. We can change the plan. Sometimes that just helps to kind of refresh our attitude and refresh our our desire. You can read notes that someone else has published or you can jot down your own. You can have a plan. You can feel free to change it. We want to read it. We want to give thanks for it. We want to pray through it. We want to treasure it. This is a profitable investment. Anytime. Three minutes spent in the Bible. We've had family with us uh, this week, and my uh, my nephew, uh, James, is learning to play the piano. And his parents were just saying, he's just really good at spending 
a few minutes a day practicing. And actually, over the course of the weeks, over the course of the months, he's just building up his confidence. He's just finding his way around the different scales, the different notes. And that's kind of what we're doing as well when we spend time in the Word of God. Just building up that familiarity with how God deals with us and what He is like and what He wants to do in our lives and beyond. So we're seeing here, how do we guard our hearts? We do it with the, with the Word of Christ. But I think what, another thing that's grabbed my attention through looking at this verse in particular is that we don't do it alone. It's not just a personal, private enterprise. Because it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all uh, wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So of course something is happening personally and privately, making a decision one way or another to store up the word of Christ in my heart that helps me to root out unhelpful attitudes and wrong ideas um, But it's not just a personal and private activity. The the New Testament knows nothing of lonely, isolated Christians trying to follow Jesus. Paul here is writing to a church, a church that was in Colossae. We're made for relationship with him, and we're made to be in relationship with others. Not just in a nebulous way, drifting around, or in a, a very fluid way, just doing church. Isn't it wonderful, though, that you you can meet another believer for the very first time. You've never met them before. They're from a completely different nation, different church, but can experience this encouragement of just chatting together. I had it in an unexpected way, just going to a, a party, going to the pub, celebrating someone's wedding anniversary, and just sitting next to a couple, never met them before, and they were here too. They'd come from Holland, and uh, just got chatting. Well, what's your story then? And they were just sharing how they got saved, and when they got baptized, and, and how God's led them since. They, that had all happened in their adult years. They were just brimming with enthusiasm and love for him. I thought, this is wonderful. These little moments of just encouragement. Um, and that happens. There's a, there's a bond of peace. There's an encouragement that comes by virtue of just every believer under the sun having a relationship with God. Nevertheless, we are called to be in regular, ongoing, committed relationship as a church body as well. In an identifiable group of people who believe in Jesus, seeking to grow in relationship with him and encouraging each other towards the same goal. There's genuine encouragement, there's genuine commitment, there's genuine fellowship, so that we cannot apply that particular verse of scripture and benefit from all the fruit that it implies and leads to without regularly and deliberately making time to be together. Now this may not be particularly your church body because you're you're visiting, you're from elsewhere in uh, the country, in which case, again, just take the encouragement of this particular scripture to to root yourself in to a to a church body. You will find there loads of imperfect people um, who sometimes rub you up the wrong way. That's why the scripture also says, "Bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another." It's all part and parcel 
of, of who God has designed us to be, a, a people together, by encouraging one another, our faith being fueled at the same time. And that happening in the context of worshipping together, that seems to be what Paul is, is hinting at. You know, when, when you get together, this abundant overflow of, of enjoying God and relating with him, it, it, it bubbles up comes out of you as you share the scriptures with one another, as you're singing with each other. And again, some of the one of the highlights, personally, uh, for this year uh, was downstairs on a Friday evening in a prayer meeting. Because often, church life just feels a bit ordinary. And that's okay. But there are certain moments where you just glimpse, actually, that what we're a part of is wonderful and we get reminded of what God is doing and God's design, God's purpose for a church community. What were we doing? We were worshipping, we were praying together. I think Richard near the outset just encouraged people. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, each one has a a song, a tongue, a, a word of encouragement, a word of prophecy. And uh, and after he brought that, it, just things here and there around the room, amongst those of us who were gathered, just people began to to share, to sing, to bring scripture, to pray out. Sometimes people can have that, okay, I'm going to do it, like we heard earlier on today during the worship time, someone speaking in the first person, speaking to us what God is wanting to say today, what God is wanting to draw our attention to, the gift of prophecy. Sometimes it comes out by people saying, I just feel that God is saying this. I feel reminded. God has reminded me of an experience I've had early in the week, or or God's showing me a picture. And it's as though, dot, 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 on it went. And it was as though at that time we were just, again, especially in a special way, in the context of worship, just hearing God together. It wasn't kind of agenda driven. It was, no, he's here. He's with us. The word of God has been stored up, different ones, and, and things are bubbling out. And this wave of encouragement, just strengthening our faith. What did that lead to? It led to praying for Mark and Debbie, Grace and Josh in Canada about bed bugs and about cancer. And those bed bugs are gone. And that cancer by surgery has been taken out. But it's been clear, no further treatment was required. Now at that point, we all sit back in our rational ways and think, well of course that was bound to be what happened. It was bound to work out in that way, of course it was. Or maybe not. Because perhaps, there was a bunch of people downstairs, using a Friday evening to pray. And as these different things bubbled up, it focused, and for the rest of the evening, we prayed for that family round the other side of the world who were going through a hard time. And there was a hint within it that we were kind of praying about more than bedbugs, and actually we were praying about more than cancer, or more than an operation. We were praying uh, because we'd heard these different words about a, a change of direction, a sudden turn in the road. And for Mark and Debbie, there'd been that sense of, well, we're here we know God spoke to us about being in this community and part of this church. Not quite sure, actually, we're going to manage to get permanent residency in this country by staying here in this role. What's God doing? Where's God leading us? And then we've heard since, God's just brought a change of direction. Just nudged them. 
And now in the early part of the new year, um, they'll be moving to another church in Canada, another place in Canada, uh, back to Fredericton. Again, we can just think, oh, that was bound to happen. No, a church prayed. People got together and heard God. And out of love and affection for them and love and affection for God, stuff has shifted the other side of the world. And just before we come into land, you can start saying amen loudly in about 10 minutes and that will remind me, if I haven't already, to come in for a land so we can go and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea after worshipping again. It's, possible, it's, it's kind of tempting just to leave it there. What's really, really important as we look back? Well, it's really, really important to guard our hearts personally, privately, storing up the word of God, just enjoying him. That's important. Above all else, do that. Maybe we could also add, well, it's really important as well that the word of Christ doesn't just dwell in us personally, but is bubbling up, that we're part of a community together, encouraging one another in our faith. And we could think, well, what's, what's really important then? Well, it's really important to get stuck into local church. It's really important for our, our faith. You can be like that, that coal that's burning hot in a fire, but take it out of the raging fire and put it on the hearth. It'll just go cold. Yep, okay, gotcha. It's important to be part of a body. It's important to be part of a church. It's important to push through those awkward moments where you just have to bear with one another or forgive one another. That's just part of the gospel. So let's go for that then. Let's go for, yeah, vibrant personal walk with God and perfect church life. But that can still become introspective. We're, our journey, our goal, the destination for us, it, it doesn't just land there. Try and be an even better church, City Church Sheffield. Yes, we want all of that encouragement to be taking place. But we've also had our attention brought to another church. A church in Antioch. A church written about in the book of Acts. And I think this helps us to see not only when do we guard our hearts and how do we guard our hearts, but why. We saw that in the Proverbs where it says, above all else do this, because your heart is the wellspring of life. Stuff is supposed to bubble out of the human heart in thanks and praise to God. Well, stuff is supposed to bubble out of the local church. That we don't just turn in and get introspective. Now, we don't know a huge amount about the church in Antioch. But uh, just at the end of November, uh, when Jeremy and Anne were with us, uh, Jeremy was reminding us of a few things that we do know about the church in Antioch, uh, some of which we can read in, Ch- in Acts chapter 11. And I will just um, well read a few verses from there rather than just one, just to catch the flavor of it again. Uh, it says there, um, let me just read the right bit. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. 
News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first, uh, were called Christians first at Antioch. And we don't know a great deal more than that. At the beginning of chapter 13, we know that a few of them uh, were gathered together praying and one way or another, the Holy Spirit made it clear to them that they should set aside, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that God had for them, which involved laying their hands on them, praying for them, and then sending them. So they would no longer be in Antioch. They went on a massive journey, and that resulted in uh, people hearing the gospel in lots and lots of uh, towns and cities throughout modern-day Turkey, Greece, and Macedonia, um, and, and churches coming to life. Um, So there is no letter to the church in Antioch. There's a letter to the church in Ephesus and to Colossae and and elsewhere. Um, There's not one specifically to to Antioch. So we don't know a huge amount about it, but what we do know is quite inspiring, is quite encouraging. We're seeing there, when there's a community of people guarding their hearts, loving God, enjoying and treasuring his word and encouraging one another, what does God do? Their perspective goes global. They think, oh, we don't want to lose Barnabas and Paul. We've got a great thing going on here. We just want to keep things as they are. We're seeing people come to faith in this city. That's wonderful. God says, no, it's time to send them. You can see it's this, this wonderful, overflowing enthusiasm for the gospel means loads of people are getting saved in their own city, but then it goes further. So at the start, there are a few believers scattered by persecution away from Jerusalem, and they begin to share their faith. That's how the story for that church began, and it continues when, um, when Paul and Barnabas are sent to these other nations, these other cities. Now, the idea is not that everybody in a local church uproots all the time, And just restlessly is always moving on and changing location. That's a really, really spiritual thing to do. We're going to plant a new church in another town. Well, maybe that's the call of God for some. Actually, many of us are called to put down roots as a single person or as a family to get stuck into a local church. Big trees that provide a lot of shelter, shade and fruit are those who've stuck around for a while in one place. And that's what they provide for other people. But perhaps in the knowledge, there'll be people gathering to that tree, as it were, gathering to the church, gathering to different families, and being encouraged. And actually for them, they're going to get planted and rooted somewhere else. And they'll be that big tree that puts down roots. Local churches need people like that. Consistent, grounded Humble, servant-hearted, spirit-filled, Bible-saturated, ordinary Christians giving their lives. If they've got, if they're part of a family, yet blessing and leading that family, playing their part in that family, guarding our hearts, 
encouraging and developing fellowship, encouraging other believers, sometimes getting along to a prayer meeting, kind of ordinary things happening, but actually with a global perspective. That that's what that's how God wants to use a local church. So who knows what the future holds? Who knows what 2016 involves? It will involve actually sending some people. Uh, Dave and Rubina going to Vancouver, we believe. Uh, Nathan and Joy uh, going to China for a year or two, seeing that unfold. Continuing to relate and, and pray for and hear encouragements and get updates from Mark and Debbie where they are just having a bit of a global perspective and, and seeing the gospel bearing fruit right around the world. Actually, in the meantime, giving ourselves to an ordinary local church, but believing that God wants to do dramatic things through it. That's what I want to remember uh, from 2015. Uh, There are other things too. Maybe just what we've done today is just an exercise that causes you to think, okay, what what are the things that God's been saying to me? What are the things that God's been saying to us as a family? What have been the significant moments? God's just brought incredible clarity into perhaps slightly muddled thinking before then. How's God been getting your attention? Or maybe actually for something, and I'm not sure he has. Um, uh, but look again. Uh, maybe you wouldn't count yourself as someone who's uh, a Christian and following him. But look again, has, has God been getting your attention in some way? Well, I don't really believe in him. Well, take another look. Imagine for now, against your uh, current convictions that he's very much alive reigning and for you personally has he been trying to just sow some seed into your heart don't resist him maybe for others you look back and there were kind of puzzles to work through as well what on earth has been going on we had hopes that this year would involve much more progress in our lives personally, or what we feel called to do. Don't lose heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be discouraged. Guard it. When when hearts get discouraged, sometimes what we do is actually we step back from community. We step back from church. We step back from kind of doing this. Oh, I just don't feel like I fit in. I'm not sure I've got any part to play. Stop thinking that way. Guard your heart. Because God's got fruit that he's going to bring through you. But you won't discover that by shutting yourself away. He wants you to discover it by being part of a community. A community of faith. And God wants to use that community that you're a part of. And maybe He, God will catch you up in crazy, wild adventures of faith that no one saw coming. But the Holy Spirit made it clear when a few people got together and prayed. God's got his hand on you. God's got his hand on us. So we're not to be a people who just pick and choose. I'll just guard my heart, but I'll do it personally. Or I'll get really involved in church, but I don't have to guard my heart. I don't have to deal with temptation. I don't have to try and avoid it. I'll just allow that to simmer away in the background. No, deal with it. I'm all for the mission, but church is just a waste of time. No. Believe that being part of a church brings f- fruit for other nations and other people groups around the planet. Let's keep hold of that together as we look forward to whatever 2016 involves.
Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I'll pray in just a moment. We'll worship God together. Then we'll go and grab a drink, I think. Father God, I want to thank you, Father, that you're not a God who mumbles. You're not a God who is who's silent. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that your word is alive and living and active. We want to thank you, God, that you who began a good work in us, you carry it on to completion. Lord, you have a plan. You have a purpose. Lord, there are things that we don't understand and we don't yet perceive or see. From our perspective, there are things that are way over the horizon. But you know absolutely every day of our lives. And Father, I pray you'd help us to keep looking forward and keep believing, Lord, that you're a God, you're a shepherd who leads us and guides us with good pasture en route. Father, help us to to look back in the right way. So yes, this is where he's been leading. Now, I want to stay on this journey. I don't want to get caught off. I don't want to get sidetracked because I haven't been guarding my heart. I don't want to get sidetracked because I've allowed temptation to rule me. I don't want to get sidetracked because I've got discouraged by puzzling trials. You're, you're so for us, Lord. You're so with us, Lord, in ways we don't see and perceive or understand. I pray, God, even in this unusual week in between Christmas and New Year, open our eyes to what you have been doing, what you're doing right now, and what you'll be doing in the future. Amen.